Good morning and welcome to High Point Church Online. My name is Amy. And my name is Caroline. Caroline is a special guest with us today from our High Point youth representing our middle schoolers out there today. If it's your first time with us, we just want to give a special welcome and say we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. All right, so real quick, before we jump in, we wanted to ask all of you a very important question. Are you ready, Caroline? Ask away. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Say it real loud and clear one more time. What is your favorite Christmas movie? What is your favorite Christmas movie? This is a big question. We want to see you write in the comments. While we're waiting, Caroline, what movie do you love to watch at Christmas? Um, I like to watch The Christmas Chronicles. I really like that movie. Christmas Chronicles! It's a super fun movie that's on Netflix. I personally love Home Alone. I mean, can we go wrong with Kevin McAllister? I mean, the movie's pretty good, so. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? And so let us know in the comments, do you like Christmas Chronicles? Do you like Home Alone? Maybe there's a movie that you love that we haven't heard of, so put it in there. The reason we're talking about movies is because we're kicking off our new series, Christmas at the Movies, here at High Point. So we wanted to get that started. Uh, Caroline, can you help us get a few announcements out there before we jump into worship? Yeah. Why don't you let us know one of the announcements coming up? So, coats and toilets keep bringing until December 11th. Hold up. Not toilets. What are they bringing? Toilet. Toilet trees. Toilet, <laughs> toilet trees. trees. Do you know what a toilet tree is? <laughs> No, I do not. <laughs> Here's the deal. We want you to bring gently used or new coats. Don't bring toilets. Say, <laughs> tell them, say, don't bring toilets to church. <laughs> Come back over here. Don't bring your toilets. Bring toilet trees. Do you know what? Okay, toilet trees are like shampoo, mm -hmm. soap. Like cleaning utensils. For yourself, yes. And we do this to support Must Ministries, which supports what community? Um, homeless people. The homeless community. So please be sure to do that. That's happening all December. Two more announcements for you is we have our High Point Youth Christmas Party on December 9th and our High Point Kids Birthday Party for Jesus on December 18th. We like to have a lot of fun at High mm -hmm. Point, right? Yes. All right. Very so, much so. <laughs> yeah. We're serious about our fun, but we're also serious about our faith. So before we head into a time of worship with song, we're actually going to start our worship time with giving. Do you know what Do you know what tithes and offerings are, Caroline? Um, I know what an offering is, but I do not know what a tithe okay, is. Okay, that's a great heads up. So basically, when we talk about tithes and offering, we're just talking about giving the first part of the money that you receive. We say let's give it back to God. Let's give it back mm -hmm. to the church. And not only does it benefit the church, it benefits the community because it helps us reach out to the community and do great things, yeah. right? So to give, you can give online. You can text HP info to 97,000. What is it, Caroline? 97,000. That's right. Text HP info to 97,000. You can give digitally. And again, we're so grateful for that. And now we're going to take a moment and pray and then head into worship with song. You ready, Caroline? Yeah. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that we're celebrating just such a wonderful time of the year, God, where we remember your birth. And so, God, we just pray uh, for just an excellent service. We pray that we would have fun all month long. 
And God, I pray that our focus would be on you to remember that you are the real reason for this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lifeless hearts without your grace Light us up to see your goodness To rise and come to life again You won't leave us in the shadows Nights are long Burn, burn. 
Welcome back, everyone. It's great to get to worship online together with worship and song. My name is Andy. I am the lead pastor here at High Point Church, and this is my family. And we are especially excited uh, to start the Christmas season off by celebrating Advent together. Advent, does anybody remember what Advent means? I, I did not clue any of them celebrating in. Celebrating the birth of Jesus? It is uh, celebrating the birth of Jesus. I, I forgot. <laughs> Advent means arrival, right? And so every single week, uh, there'll be a theme and a candle that we light and we look forward with expectation, right? Of what uh, to experience during the Christmas season and the arrival of Jesus's birth that we celebrate. So with that, Graham, would yes. you read our uh, selected passage uh, today and lead us in the first reading of Advent? Sure. Uh, okay. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his mighty shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of this of his government and peace, there will be no end. Isaiah two six. Mm hmm. Isaiah nine two and six. Morgan, would you light our Advent <laughs> candle? He's too for excited today? about the fire. He is very yeah. excited to light this. Oh. Uh huh. Wait, just wait. Nope. Wait. Got and it. you got it. All right. Nope. Just no, the no, one. No. Just the one. Let, let the Thank fire you. out. Yeah. All right. Today, you can tell, we, our family is learning what Advent is literally as we're participating in doing it and leading you in it today. Today is the verse, first Sunday of Advent, and the word Advent means, as we mentioned, arrival. And so over the next month, we prepare our hearts to celebrate and remember the coming of Jesus into the world. Today, we light the candle of hope. And may it remind each and every one of us of God's great promise to us. Jesus is our great hope. Yeah. He is our Redeemer. And He is our Savior. Let's pray. 
Let's pray together. Father, during the Advent season, may we be reminded of your promises to us and your fulfillment of all of them. Help us to prepare our hearts and lives to welcome Jesus within us. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome back. Uh, as I mentioned before, my name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here at High Point. You've got, you're getting a lot of me today and my family here on Thanksgiving uh, week. And let me also just officially say happy Thanksgiving. I know we're a few days past at this point, uh, but Thanksgiving uh, is still... It is still at work in our hearts. And so we are grateful and thankful today, grateful for you today. And now we're, you know, we're transitioning into Christmas, if you haven't already. So we got the Christmas set up and the Christmas carols are rocking and rolling and all, all the things are happening right now. So it's great to be with you. Uh, hopefully you're, you can get into the festivities as well. We're going to have some fun. We're starting a series, it's a short series here in December called Christmas at the Movies. And we don't have to look very far to have some, some great Christmas classics. And in, in my house, one of my favorite movies um, is the movie Elf. Okay, Buddy the Elf is just, it's a winner, winner, chicken dinner uh, at my home. And here's the deal, most people miss some of the, the gospel stories, so to speak, in, but in, in the movie The Elf. And when you look at, at the prodigal son uh, in the scriptures, one of the most famous stories of all time, uh, you have a spin and a take on the prodigal son uh, with the movie Elf. But it isn't the prodigal son, it's a prodigal father. Right, and you have a son that leaves uh, and 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 begins to look for his father, who's made the naughty list. Right, and it makes for a great comedy. It is one of the best Christmas movies. It's funny, but in reality, when you think about the story of Buddy, this elf, he's he's a he's a human who's grown up in the North Pole and discovers he's actually not an elf. Surprise. And he finds out that his dad, you know, isn't who he thought. And, and so he begins this journey. And Santa encourages him to leave the North Pole in pursuit of his dad. And to leave everything that you know. To leave the, the, the warmth, the, 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 the comfort of Santa's toy shop and making toys and, and existing in the food and the fun and the friends and the, and the elves and all the things that make the North Pole, Pole the North Pole to leave all that and go to New York City in order to find your dad. This makes for a great movie. And if something like this were actually true, like even just tiny bits of it, this would be terrifying, right? To leave everything you know to try to find your dad, who's on the naughty list. This, this is the stuff of horrors, right? This would have been a horrifying, terrifying ordeal, not only emotionally to discover this. Talk about emotional trauma and emotional damage, right? But to leave the North Pole, go to New York City for the first time, this would be terrifying. 
The reality is most Christmas stories leave us, you know, with the fuzzy Christmas feelings, right? And, and we attribute that everywhere. Christmas just has this euphoria and it has this feeling to it. But the truth is most Christmas stories, if you really pull back some of the fuzziness of it all, make for scary moments, difficult moments. And when we look at the first Christmas in the Bible, it's no different. Christmas is filled with situations and scenarios that are, frankly, really scary. Jesus being born into the world. Thank God for Jesus and for his son. And for us, Christmas is a, it's a wondrous story. But for those who were living it, this would have been a terrifying ordeal. Christmas is filled with people having to overcome fearful scenarios and fearful situations. And the truth is you, as you're watching today, every single person that's, that's watching the sermon today, you have things that you're dealing with, right? That you're, that you're afraid of. Fearful situations and fearful scenarios and the what ifs. Think of all the things, right, that, that we, we grow fearful of, right? The fear of losing someone, fear of being alone, the fear of commitment, fear of disappointing someone, fear of disappointing God, of losing control. Some of you are holding on so tightly to things. Oh man, because you, you are afraid of what it might look and feel like if you lose sense of control, the fear of, the fear of not mattering, the fear of being insignificant, the fear of not being accepted or valued or loved, being vulnerable, fear of failing. I felt that. Parents, the fear of raising your children the wrong way, of messing them up, fear of letting go, fear of what others think, even what your kids will think, your spouse might think, your friends might think. Fear is everywhere. People are afraid of their, of their jobs not being here next week, the fear of being laid off. The fear of trying to figure out, you know, what's coming next. The, the fear of the unknown. There is fear at any and every corner of our lives. And that isn't to bring things down today. It's simply to, to, to pull back the curtain, so to speak, and just talk about reality for what it really is. There are a lot of things that we find ourselves dealing with that are simply fearful. So what do we do about it? I'm so glad that you asked. And frankly, the story of Christmas, it actually brings light and encouragement to our lives. As we do this thing called life, we see a people who choose to trust God in the midst of being afraid. And God uses them. He draws close to them. He moves powerfully in their lives. And if God can do that, then he can do it now. And if people can trust God like that, then we can trust him like that now also. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Today, 
we begin a Christmas series and we're going straight to the heart of fear. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. The birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, uh, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph and Mary, the mother and father of Jesus, you know, Mary comes to Joseph and says, hey, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to have, you know, we're going to have a baby. Now, do you think maybe Mary was a little afraid to even tell Joseph? Yeah. Without a doubt, we, we don't get that initial conversation, right? But I can promise you going to the person that you're engaged to and telling them that you have become pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. That probably went over like a lead balloon. Okay. Merry Christmas. Yeah. This is, for, this is terrifying, Right. And then you have Joseph, who, who's a just man, and he's a good man. He doesn't want harm to come to Mary, so he's like, hey, I'm going to divorce her, like, privately. Maybe she can have some of her dignity left intact, right? He's afraid, right? He, he, he doesn't know what is going on, and so what takes place? An angel comes and appears to Joseph, and the first reaction that we see as in just about every reaction that people have when an angel shows up, is that of sheer terror, right? He is frightened to his bones. An angel comes and appears to him, and the first thing the angel says is, hey, don't be afraid. <laughs> Why? Because like most people, they thought they were going to die when they were in God's presence or an angelic presence like that. They thought, my life's over. This is it. We're done here. Pull the ripcord. That's all she wrote. Don't be afraid. Luke chapter 1, when we see Mary's scenario, an angel appeared to her to explain what was happening. And what does the angel say to her in chapter 1, verse 30 of the book of Luke? The angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. All right, these, these things sound great. It makes for amazing, like Christmas children's stories. You would have been terrified. Which is why the angel begins with don't be Afraid, But that's not the only part of fear that, that grips the Christmas story. Think about it. Oh, by the way, Joseph and Mary, you're going to travel to Bethlehem for a census while you're at the end of your pregnancy. Um, okay. Thanks. Right? Like, this is frightening also. Um, also, you're going to have the baby, but you're, you're not going to have really a proper place to have the baby. So you're going to have the baby at a manger. Wherever the animals are hanging out, that's where, that's, where this, that's where the king of kings and the prince of peace will be born. Okay, 
afraid again. If you're a dad in this moment, by the way, like there, there's, there's so, much, so many different kinds of fear. Fear as a mother, and I can't even speak to what that would actually have felt like just to be afraid in that moment of, you know, like, God, what is happening? You, you, you said you were going to show up and you were carrying, I'm carrying like God's child and this is how this is happening? Like, I'm afraid, Lord. And then as a dad, I would have felt so insecure in this moment as somebody who's trying to provide for my family. P.S. I'd be insecure as a dad trying to be the dad to Jesus in this moment. But even just caring for my wife and soon-to-be son, I don't even have a place for you to have our baby. Fear. And a lot of it. By the way, King Herod isn't going to like the fact that Jesus is being born and he's going to attempt to kill your child. Oh, and even though we don't talk about this in the scripture, by virtue of you being his parents, he's probably going to try to kill you too. So enjoy that. Merry first Christmas. Um, also, angels appear to shepherds and they tell them, hey, first things first, don't be afraid. Why? Because it would have been terrifying. <laughs> There's so many scary things with Christmas. It's gloriously terrifying. The Messiah has been born. But first, don't be afraid. Go. Leave your flock. Abandon it. And go. Go worship Jesus. Oh, and lastly, when things have cooled down and when Jesus was born, we forget this. An angel appears to Joseph again. And he tells him to leave one more time to leave Bethlehem. Matthew chapter 2, let's read it together. When Herod had died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. He's in Egypt, excuse me, not Bethlehem. Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, Joseph was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. The birth of Jesus, the first Christmas, it is a glorious story to us. And it is and it should be. But it is also a terrifying story to those who were living it. And sometimes we forget that. And yet, what did they choose to do? Over and over and over again, in the midst of being afraid, they chose to trust God anyway. In the midst of fear doing its thing, working its number, the enemy chirping and lying and looking for a foothold to grip in their soul and their spirit. Oh, make no mistake about it. Fear was present and fear was there. Terror was there. But what is it that they chose to do in this moment? They chose a life of trusting God in the midst of it.
When we look at the definition of afraid, the word is to, to terrify, to be seized with alarm. And for some of you, you know what it's like when fear has seized you, it's gripped you. It literally feels like something has a hold of you and you just can't get free. That's what it feels like to really be afraid, to be in terror. And some of you know what it's like to wake up early, right? Like you, you can't even sleep. You just, you wake up and that thing has a grip on your heart and you're just laying there in bed and you get up. I've done that. I've had seasons, right? Where it's just, I, it, I can't sleep. I'm gripped with the fear of the unknown, the fear of being able to provide, the fear of dot, dot, dot. And it's been like a grip upon my heart. Some of you know what it's like to lay in bed, not in the morning, but at night. And you just can't go to sleep. Your mind is just going and you can't shut it down. You can't stop the thinking and the thoughts. It's like your heart just feels like it's going to beat out of your chest, the, 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 the hammering. What am I going to do? God, what am I going to do when we feel that kind of fear and that kind of terror, that kind of being afraid? And it grips you and it seizes you. A lot of times the, the words that come to mind for me are despair and panic. And I found this helpful and I, and I know I'm, I can be a, a word nerd. And if this is your first time here, I like to teach and give people a real understanding of what things mean. But the word pan, right? Or excuse me, the word panic, right? When we, when we trace its etymology all the way back, right? It actually comes from the word pan, P-A-N, which was the God that people worshiped that looked like a goat, right? And it was the goat that, that, that it was a very famous Greek God. And it's what inspired much of antiquity's drawings and paintings and pictures of Lucifer with what? Horns looking like a goatish type animal. Well, that was inspired by the God Pan, who was the God of wilderness, and chaos. And when you feel fear gripping you so greatly and seizing you so tremendously, you need to understand what is happening in your soul and your spirit and kind of what's, what's being identified with in this moment. Because we use the word panic and the root word of that comes from the God Pan, which is the God of chaos and wilderness. In other words, when things feel like they are spinning out of control and some entity, some thing, my situation, my scenario just feels like it has this oppressive grip upon me, you should understand that this isn't just the way things have happened, that there is actually, there are spiritual forces at work and the enemy would love nothing more than to have a grip upon your heart and for you to feel in despair and to feel in panic, like your life is a wilderness and chaos and spinning out of control. 
What's interesting about these situations, though, getting even back to some of the, the fuzziness of Christmas, you know, we celebrate God as the one who removes our fear and he sets us free, and he does do that. But it's also worth noting that so many moments in Scripture, the, the scenario and the details surrounding the fear in the first place come about as God is literally leading people and calling people into situations. In other words, in some ways, while God does not give you fear, He certainly calls you into situations and scenarios where you are going to feel afraid. And you have to decide what to do with it and against it as you fulfill God's calling on your life. Think about this for a minute. You got Peter walking on water. Do you think that maybe Peter was afraid when he stepped out of the boat and he began to walk on top of water? Do you think that that was a fearful moment? You better believe it was. Even as he obeyed God, I promise you he was probably a bit afraid. In fact, he began to sink, right? He took his eyes off Jesus. All the waves and the crashing and the rain. and Took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. He's afraid. Peter or excuse me, Paul, the persecutor of the early church. What do you think it was like for him to stand in front of this spiritual powerhouses for the first time as one who had been the great persecutor to now stand before them? Do you think he was nervous at all? Do you think he was afraid to actually accept God's call in any degree upon his life? I bet he was. Oh, he was bold, make no mistake about it. And, and he was in dangerous situation after dangerous situation. But look, I don't care who you are. When you're in danger or when you've done what you know you've done and now you're going to own it in front of a bunch of people, you're nervous about it. You're anxious. You're afraid. What's going to happen? What are they going to think? How are they going to treat me? What can I do? God, are you sure? James and John leaving everything, their father's business and following Jesus. You think they were afraid to do that? Oh, God gave them the courage and they walked it out. But let's be honest. That's a fearful situation. Moses standing before Pharaoh, maybe afraid? Yeah, I think so. Noah building an ark when everyone thought he'd lost his mind. Afraid? Yeah. Esther, presenting herself in the king's court, knowing that she could be executed for doing such a thing. You think she was a bit nervous to do that? I think so. I think there was fear at work. I guarantee there was a gripping of the soul. God, how is this going to play out? How is this going to work? What, what are you calling me to do, God? Daniel choosing to pray. When it had become a, a, a violation of the law, knowing that his life was in danger, and it was, and he's thrown into the lion's den simply for praying and disobeying the, God, uh, the, the king's decree. Do you think he was afraid? Yeah. We read the Bible, though, and we read 
these men and women as though they're superheroes. But the truth is they are people, normal people like you and me that God uses. And God used them in mighty, mighty ways and in powerful ways. But I'm here to tell you they're also humans, normal people dealing with the fear that I promise you is knocking on the door of their heart as they're trying to live their lives and be obedient to God and trust him. And that is exactly what they did. How did they do it? They did it afraid. They did it afraid. Wherever you're sitting and watching this or standing and watching this, I want you to hear this. In fact, it's even worth saying this out loud sometimes. God, how am I going to do this? God, what are you asking me to do? He's asking you to do it afraid. Mary, you're going to have Jesus. You're going to be, you're going to be the mother of the Son of God. How are you going to do this? Don't be afraid. See, we, we read that and we think that, that somehow God is saying that your soul and spirit should have an absolute absence of fear. And so for many of us, we actually don't move. We just stay where we are, spiritually speaking, because we're still gripped with fear. It's like paralysis has gotten a hold of our spirit, and we, we don't move forward. We don't actually step out. We don't use our faith in any way, shape, or form. We're simply waiting for the fear to dissipate, the fear to go away. And I'm here to tell you, the fear isn't going away. And when God says, don't be afraid, he's not saying that your soul and spirit should have no, no semblance of being afraid. Afraid, it's simply what is what is the primary driver of your spirit? In other words, what's in the what's in the driver's seat versus the passenger seat? And when you are going to live a life of truly trusting God and pursuing Him and stepping out into the calls uh, the, 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 the calling of God upon your life, what you need to understand regarding fear is that it's going to be with you. It's going to be with you. The tension is not having a life that's completely rid of ever being afraid of the scenarios and situations God's called you to. The tension is moving fear from the driver's seat to the back seat. Yeah, there's some fear there. Yeah, and sometimes that fear tries to shout out directions, right? The back seat driver. Fear will try to do that, but you've got to allow and keep fear in its proper place, which is in the back seat. Oh, don't wait for your life to, to simply never have fear because you'll be waiting the rest of your life. The fear of the unknown, of not mattering, of God, what are you doing? These are real tensions, and this is real life. And I promise you, the heroes of the Bible felt the same way. And yet they stepped out and trusted God anyway. And that's the beauty of what you and I are called to as well. How do we do it? We do it afraid. We trust him while we're afraid. We step out while we're afraid. We use our faith even when we're afraid. See, God is responsible. Make no mistake about it. 
for calling you into situations that are frightening. But this same God is also responsible for giving you the strength to do it afraid. And he can and he does and he will. You may not be like Daniel or Esther, right? You're not building an ark like Noah. So let's, let's break this down into some scenarios that make maybe a little bit more sense for us in 2022. And that's not to minimize, some, God has great things, you know, that he's doing in all of our lives. And it just simply looks different. And our idea of greatness looks different. But, but let's just, let's normalize what this looks like in terms of trusting God in fearful situations and scenarios. Uh, how about choosing to forgive? Not only is forgiveness hard, it's also fearful. It's difficult and, and we are afraid to actually let things go. We're afraid of it. We're afraid of letting go of that pain. It happens all the time. What about attending church? I know that sounds crazy, but like getting up and going to a church where you don't know anybody. Is God calling you to that? Yeah. I think he is. And that's a fearful situation. And yet he's calling you and giving you the strength to walk in courage in the midst of that fear. Don't let fear be in the driver's seat. Kick it to the back seat. It's going to be there. There's a little anxiety, a little nerve wracking, right? Your heart's hammering. Yeah, that's reality. Showing up for youth group. If you're a teen, if you're a teen watching today, right? And you're like, oh, mom, dad, I don't want to go to youth group. Uh, many times the thing that's driving that decision is nothing more than simply being afraid of fitting in, of afraid of, of whether you're going to have relationships there, whether you're going to be seen, whether you're going to be comfortable. Fear. The fear of even just attending a life group. These are real and normal things. What about literally buying that house? Pray about it. What's God asking you to do? Moving across town. You're terrified to do it. But it might be the very thing God is asking you to do, to, 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 to literally be a witness and a testimony in a neighborhood, to be a light in a dark place. God might be start asking you to start that business, to lead, to do it and do it afraid. There's a story in the, well, it's not really a story. It's just one of my favorite untalked about characters in the Bible is a woman named Lydia. And this has nothing to do with like the Christmas story per se. But she's somebody who becomes a Christian as the apostle Paul is planting churches and he's preaching. And she's a businesswoman and she's successful and she sells purple cloth, purple linen, right? Which was very expensive. Oh, we don't have a ton of backstory here. What we see is that she is instrumental in establishing some of these early churches. And she opens her home, and her home would have been 
pretty nice. And she's using her finances to literally bless God's kingdom and see churches started and financing Paul's missionary journeys. I don't know when Lydia started her business. I don't know what was in her heart. I don't know how many years prior or how long it took. And maybe business came easy to her. And maybe she was the one in a bajillion person, right? That started that business and it skyrocketed. But if she's like most people, it probably took some time. And she was probably faced with all kinds of scary decisions. And I love, th I love thinking about the manner in which God uses our stories and our situations and our scenarios. And even before Lydia was a Christian and following God in this moment, she was finding herself, I promise you, as a businesswoman trying to get things going in scary and frightening situations. And she plowed through and she powered through. And while her faith would not have been in God in this moment, she still is saying yes and putting herself out there. And God has orchestrated even before even before Lydia ever responds to the gospel, God's story is at work years prior, weaving this thing like a tapestry together and all the pieces come together. And those scary situations and those scary tensions and those frightening moments, God brings to a place of purpose. And now the fruition, the laboring, the endurance, the perseverance, and God's using it now in extraordinary ways. And all because she literally powered through and, and said yes in these moments of fearful tension, not even knowing that God was going to bring this around and use it in the way that he did. I realize in this moment that things can get a little foggy and a little fuzzy as it pertains to the gospel. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if you can dream it, you can do it. Or that somehow just imagine it and bring that thing to manifestation, manifest your destiny. No, I am not saying that. That isn't in the Bible, that is not the gospel. But what I am saying consistently, and, and, and I'm trying to say it directly and, and as clearly as possible, is that the God of heaven and earth, the very first Christmas moment, as he is sending his son Jesus, to take upon himself the sins of the world as God is orchestrating all of these moments together, which was thousands upon thousands of years of him working his plan and his purposes over and over and over again. How did he do it? He did it through people. And he did it and accomplished his purposes with people who had to do it afraid. They answered his call while they were afraid. They said yes while they were afraid. They stepped out in faith and they did it while they were afraid. How are you going to do it? You're going to do it 
afraid. Whether it's Lydia, who probably didn't even know what God was up to and how he was arranging the pieces in her life, or whether it's, it's John the Baptist, right, who's in jail and in prison, awaiting uh, you know, for God to show up. And Jesus, are you really the one? There's a lack of understanding and knowing all the things that God is doing and why he's doing it and how he's doing it. And because that's true, there will always be a place for fear to be knocking on your heart. The answer isn't to wait to respond to God when you finally don't feel any kind of fear. The answer is to move fear from the driver's seat to the back seat and to trust God in the midst of it. God, I know I'm a little afraid right now. <sighs> but I choose not to despair. I choose not to panic. I choose to trust you. You are the one who works all things out according to your plan and according to your purposes and according to your will. God, you, deep breath, are in charge. God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm waiting on you. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I am putting my faith in you. If you're living courageously for Jesus, fear will always be present. What you need to do is to move fear from the driver's seat to the passenger seat. Ask yourself this, even today, how does faith come before fear in my life today? See, fear is a moment by moment thing, sometimes minute by minute. I can feel great and then afraid five minutes later. It's like I'm up and I'm full of faith and you know, I've prayed and I've had some worship music. And then five minutes later, I feel the grip and it's knocking on my heart once again. What do I do? How does faith in this moment come before fear right now, in this minute, in this moment? God, how can I trust you <sighs> right here, right now? When you're awake early because you can't sleep, or when you're awake at night, or when your thoughts won't shut off, God, how does faith come before fear in this moment? That's what you have to answer. And you can only do it by praying and asking God to show up and to lead you. And you can only do it by saying yes to God and trusting Him even when you're afraid. How are you going to do it? You're going to do it afraid. That's how. Trust him. Step out. Take a deep breath. Invite him into your life. And follow him with everything you've got. Father, in this moment, we thank you that you are a God who does not leave us or abandon us. You have not forgotten us. God, you are also a God that leads us into frightening situations. But God, we are a people who choose faith before fear. And we know fear might still be present. 
and might be shouting out, trying to shout directions from the back seat. But Lord, we thank you that you, Holy Spirit, you, Father, you, Jesus, are driving our life right now. You are in charge. You are in control. And we choose you today. We choose to do it afraid and to trust you in the midst of it all. It's in your name that we pray. Merry Christmas, church. How you gonna do it? Gonna do it afraid. And God will meet you right in the middle of it. See you right here next Sunday. Can't wait. Every week um, in what? No, I'm just, this is great. It's fun to be together. Let's take it from the top. When he's barking, that's why. You can't hear. He won't, it'll be fine. No, but I feel You wouldn't worried. have. This is the very, very, very first thing. No, it's coming out of worship. <laughs>